Hello, and welcome to the Marvelous Cinema Podcast, a home of positive fan culture, and here to talk about all things nerdy, I'm your co-host Henry. I'm your co-host Matthew. And this week on the show, we'll be discussing the final era of Doctor Who so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chris Chibnall, Joy Whitaker, um, Bradley Walsh <laughs> era. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it, yeah, the Bradley Walsh era. Um, I, I think this is probably going to be I think, yeah, this might be simultaneously the shortest, maybe, but also mm. the most Stuff. in-depth we might get, because there's a lot to say and a lot to kind of point at and discuss, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, despite how many... There's only, like, three series, really. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and, of course, before that, just to let you know again that we do have an Instagram account, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh, we're doing reviews, some lists... Uh, currently, oh yeah, current today we reviewed The Menu, starring Ralph Fiennes, and I say Ralph, he has to be called Rafe, which is weird. Um, Rafe's cool. And, I like Rafe. Yeah, Rafe is cooler, but his name, come on, is Ralph. <laughs> I've read his name, the lettering says Ralph. Um, and this Friday, uh, I don't think I've decided what I'm doing. <laughs> Review oh, one, living on the edge. There'll be something. Yeah, there'll be something. It's exciting not knowing what mm. you're going to do. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> give us a follow, get in contact any way you can, and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, though, we have, of course, uh, the news from Matthew. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been told like it's a been a... Michael Bolton song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been told it's been in not too much news. If it no, it's news. slightly less. Maybe, maybe it's just the way I've written it up makes it look like less. We are kind of coming off the bat where I read most of the award winners last week, so... Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, starting off with um, one of the kind of biggest stories coming out of the film industry in last year's uh, very unfortunate story uh, that kind of continuing, and that is that Alec Baldwin has been charged with involuntary manslaughter over the death of Rust cinematographer Alina Hutchins as as a result of a prop-related accident on the film set. The film's armourer has also been charged separately. Um, it's kind of a big thing. A lot of people have been following this. It could mean quite a big change up for the industry and it seems mm. like kind of the government or the not the government the um i forgot what they call it in the states the um i want to call it the da but i forgot that's influenced too heavily by american programs um <laughs> but anyway they they have decided that nobody's above the law and they have decided to prosecute alec baldwin um mm. and the, the armorer um despite i think a settlement was reached with alina hutchins family separately uh, before yeah. this, but yeah, it's um, it's a really tragic and a really big story that's kind of continuing, and there'll be a lot of eyes on it going into the future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, Netflix's co-founder and CEO Reed Hastings has left his position at the company after 25 years with them. This comes after they've released their figures for the latest period, where they actually outgrew and exceeded their predictions. Um, hmm. This does kind of come over the last few years where they've had a bit of a slump in competing with other streaming services. They have found a little bit of a resurgence, or at least they've stabilised a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's quite a big change to the company. There are two other CEOs that have been there for a long time that are sticking around. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that he's gone. Um, more change that's also Netflix-related re- comes via Cobra Kai, uh, the Karate Kid spin-off, where it's been announced mm-hmm. by showrunners Josh H- Healed, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, the sixth season of Cobra Kai will be its last. They've confirmed yeah. this news in an open letter to fans. 
They suggested that it was their idea to end the show and do help to tell more stories in that universe in the future. Ah, I see. I... It kind of comes out of the blue, I think, because they've been quite ahead with the production of this, the kind of the season coming after season. Um, mm. But I, while it's kind of bittersweet, I do kind of think that maybe it is maybe the right decision to quit while they're ahead. Yeah. Um, I do I personally think, feel yeah. like I, I, I've enjoyed uh, Cobra Kai, but I do think it is starting to get to the point where they're maybe running out of room. Out yeah, of I think. I, I think I was all surprised when we got to like the fourth or fifth season uh, mm. that we're still going. I mean, it's not that it's gotten bad or it's gotten. I know it's like I don't feel like anything gotten worse about the show. I just feel like, I feel like yeah, there's not too many things we can bring back from the past, and I think mm. every new character is getting closer to the the end of their arcs. I think, and I feel like going further than what they're doing now feels a bit more like melodrama than actual, mm. you know, like telling story about these characters. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it makes sense, and I think they probably got on a high note, really. Yeah. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed they do. Um, but yeah, it's kind of one of Netflix's big kind of champion shows the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, be interesting to see what what happens after it. There is a film happening, but um, Sony have well, they haven't actually said, but the kind of the story going around is that it won't be run by the same people, which is interesting. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> yes, we'll see how that develops. Uh, elsewhere, we've had a new trailer for the third season of Mandalorian. We've got a look at Mandalore. We've got a kind of look at more of a intra-Mandalorian conflict. We also mm-hmm. got a look at Coruscant with some kind of political struggle that the um, the ranger that's appeared in previous seasons in the X-wing pilot. Yeah, I've forgotten the actor's name, um, but apparently he, he seems to feel that the New Republic is ignoring something. It could be the First Order. It could be cloning stuff. It could be Imperial fragments. It could be Thrawn. It could be anyone. Um, no mention of Cara Dune. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we also got kind of like an Order 66 flashback following on from what we saw oh, yeah. in the book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll find out who saved Grogu. That's another thing for people to look forward to. <laughs> Q theories. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, this season looks interesting. I think when it comes to Mandalorian, I think I'm, I'm excited for it, but never in like a... I can't wait to see how it develops sort of way. Mm. I'm just excited for more Monster of the Week episodes with two characters that I like. Mm. Uh, so I'm yeah. quite excited to see uh, yeah, what they do with it, yeah. Yeah, we also got a confirmation of some of the directors. Um, Carl Weathers, um, Bryce Doss Howard and Rick Famuyiwa are all returning. Um, there are new additions. Um, Lee Isaac Chung, who directed Minari, has joined. Rachel Morrison, who is the cinematographer on Black Panther, has joined as the director, as well as Peter Ramsey, who directed Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, there are eight eps, and there mm. are six directors here. Uh, the official posts haven't mentioned Filoni or Favreau, um, so it's kind of unclear. I don't know if it's just an assumption oh, that they're going right, to direct, okay. or whether they're just not going to, they're just not directing because they're spread over several projects as it is. Filoni seems to be everywhere, and I kind of understandable Ahsoka is kind of where his focus is mainly at. Um, we don't know about Favreau. As far as we're aware, we've, he's they, they've both written most of the episodes, but we'll see whether whether they're directing them. Um, in term, more news in terms of kind of the Star Wars universe is that another twist in the tale in terms of Ahsoka series casting 
is that Rebels has thrown actor Lars Mikkelsen, claiming that while he's interested in doing so, he's had no contact over playing the character in live action. Thanks to Andrew Garfield, I don't think anyone will believe an actor again, but he might just be telling the truth. There's been a lot of back and forth over whether he is returning to the role. Hello? 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 I can hear you again. Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello? 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 Okay, let me try and... You're back. Hello, am I back? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're back. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, good. <laughs> Where did I get to? Oh, weird. <laughs> All I heard there was this crackling, like, I heard, like, bits and pieces of John Favreau. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what was the last thing you heard? <laughs> Hello? Um, I think it's that like John Favreau's directory episodes of The Mandalorian, I think. Um, okay, so I'll go back quite a bit. Um, can you still hear me? Uh, kind of. Kind of going in and out. Okay. Um, if you keep the recording going, um, mm. I'll just cancel the Skype call and restart it, see if that does anything. Okay. Hello? You okay? I can hear you is now. That, I don't has know that changed it. anything? Is that any better? Yeah, it's better. I'm sure far you haven't cut out yet. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just start this recording again. Have you kept the Audacity recording going? Yeah, I have, yeah. Good, good. Okay. So, <laughs> I mentioned the trailer, didn't I? Yeah, and then I think John Favreau came up and then I, I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> okay, so yeah. The, uh, the directors for the th third series have been announced. Um, Carl Weathers, Bryce Dallas Howard and Rick Famuyiwa are all returning. Um, new additions include Lee Isaac, Ching, uh, Lee Isaac Chung even from Minari. Mm -hmm. um, Rachel Morrison, who is a cinematographer on Black Panther. And Peter Ramsey, oh. who directed Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, right. Okay. That's an interesting group. Uh, there's no mention of Favreau or Filoni. Um, mm. There might be direction. The six directors there that have joined slash are returning. So that kind of leaves two episodes that maybe Filoni and Favreau could be directing. Yeah. But, you know, they are spread quite thin. They are working on several projects at Star Wars. So who knows? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and another also from kind of Star Wars, another twist is that uh, for the Ahsoka series... Um, the 
Rebels Throne actor Lars Mikkelsen has claimed that while he's interested in doing so, he's had no contact ever playing the character in live action. Thanks to Andrew Garfield, I don't think anyone will believe an actor again. But he might just be telling the truth. There's a lot of back and forth over this, so who knows? Yeah. Not all Star Wars, Disney is, you know, they're not very good at communicating. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on from Star Wars onto Marvel, this is more of a public service announcement. Hmm. Um, but the Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania script has reportedly leaked online. So be uh, careful on Twitter. I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, elsewhere, Meryl Streep has joined the cast of Only Murders in the Building for the third season. Ooh. And, much to everyone's joy, a third of Tron film is moving ahead with Jared Leto. I, can, I could have sworn we already knew this. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but apparently it's news that comes via the Hollywood Reporter and finally Avatar Where the Water has become the sixth film to break two billion dollars at the global box office Ooh. James Cameron becomes the first director to have had three films cross that, cross that threshold that is pretty amazing <laughs> very incredible I also saw this might not be confirmed but I did also say that over one billion of those dollars <laughs> It's come by 3D screenings. Oh, right. That's interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Might see a change coming forward uh, after this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's quite big. Um, mm. But that does bring the news to an end. So, well done, Avatar. Big round of applause. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, main topic goodness. Unless, unless, unless yeah. there's any comments you want to make about the news, that is. Not really. Aside from Tron with Jared Little does make me sad. Um, <laughs> I think anything, you know, when I hear Jared Little's name attached, it does, you know, it pulls it down a certain weight, I think. <laughs> um, it makes it harder for me to like it. And if I do like it, I'm usually surprised. Um, he, I think he got away of it in um, Blade Runner 2 just because he was barely in it and he was just fine, I guess. <laughs> um but then, you know, you get your Morbiuses and all that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, main topic. <laughs> main topic. Um, yeah, so I guess this will be our final Doctor Who episode for quite a while then. Mm, um, maybe we probably so. won't come back around to it until, like, November time, which is when uh, the specials with David Tennant release. Um, this is very exciting. Um, yeah, so this is the... Currently, the final era, and very much catching up to modern day in terms of where we are with Doctor Who and its current uh, place. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been a, it's been an odd one. It's been up and down. It's been confusing. Um, and I think what's most annoying for me about this era uh, is that I struggle to really point at anything and say that is outstanding. You know, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say isn't some good stuff. Um, but of course, yes, we're talking about the Chris Chibnall era, uh, starring Joy Whittaker uh, and Bradley Walsh for the most part, and uh, some other actors, uh, the character of Yaz, um, and especially, the, I think they call him the Fam, <laughs> which is uh, the kind fam. of the thing. Yeah, they, and it's kind of strange as well, because um, this companion sort of trio um, kind of stay the entire way, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of somewhat unusual. The closest we got to that was probably uh, Rory and Amy, and but even this feels different. That they're so just 
you know, integral to Troy Whitaker as the Doctor. Um, but yeah, so Series 11, I think arguably is the most popular in terms of how many people maybe watched it and was kind of excited for it. Um, I think just because everyone was like, oh, a new Doctor, it's, it's a woman for the first time, it's a new show on it, it might, you know, be able to get a new audience. And I think it, I think it's kind of almost inarguable that it mostly failed that kind of mission. Because um, I can't, I think from then on, this show went into complete obscurity. And I barely saw any sort of promotion for it. Um, so it's a real shame, because at the very least, the show could have had people watching, <laughs> which would have been great for it. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I do you want to start with your opinion on, and your memories, I guess, of this first Joy Whitaker series? Yeah, so it kind of comes in with, with Jodie Whittaker, like you say, with it being the first time the Doctor's been female, or there's been a female actor in the lead role. Um, and I think the, the the biggest kind of takeaway from the season is that they just tried to change too much. And they just tried... Like I understand that coming in and wanting to kind of put your stamp on something. I think several of the other showrunners did. But I, I just feel like there was just too much of an emphasis put on new things. And there were several kind of almost big mistakes that it kind of made. Um, obviously, there was the big change in a female actor taking on the lead role. There was the big kind of... I know it's not necessarily to do with the content, but the big switch from Christmas Day to New Year's Day, which I think was... It just fell completely flat. I don't think that worked one bit. Um, the decision for this season to use completely new enemies as well was largely a bit of a flop. I think it did it did itself no favors in doing that. Um, I yeah, I, I just think there there are there are other kind of more minute criticisms to have that kind of add together to make it kind of a bit fatal for the for this, for this season and for the for the later series as well. It was just kind of a perfect storm of decisions that were made with kind of good intentions but just didn't work. Um, I, th- I think I kind of feel a little bit bad for them in that respect but at the same time they didn't, they maybe could have pulled themselves out of it but they didn't. I also just generally feel, and I don't really know how to articulate this, I just generally feel like it just doesn't look as good either. Because I think they changed a lot of how they filmed as well, or at least it seems like they have. Like I feel like in the past when the show has changed, when the Doctors have changed, as the years have passed, it feels like it's progressed with with an understandable arc, if you know what I mean. Like, watching the very first episode and then going through, it's a very gradual change, but from between 10 and 11, it just feels... It just feels very different. And combined with the fact that you're using your own monsters, there's no none of the legendary monsters from the past, all new companions, there's so little to connect it to the last time we saw the show. It sounds really cruel to say this, but I don't know how how else to put it. In that, it feels it feels like a parody. For me, in many respects, it feels like some kind of fan version of it. Um, and I, yeah, I am very sorry to say that because you know it's it's a great show with a lasting legacy. 
And I just think that they really struggled to carry that on. And again, I think we've said this quite a lot, but I think Jodie Whittaker puts a lot into this. But I don't think her version of the Doctor works as well because I, I don't necessarily think that everything else supports her all that well. Yeah, so I feel yeah, I feel like I'm kind of constantly waiting for the Doctor to kind of be clear in who she is. And I think as well, the show just... Oh yeah, when I was watching this for the first time, it was as it was coming out, and I happened to be watching it for the first time properly, like the whole show. And I was about in Series 8, maybe Series 9 of Doctor Who with uh, Peter Capaldi. And I remember having a very weird experience of watching Doctor Who, but then going ahead and just watching the new ones as they were coming out. Because I feel like you can probably do that, especially with a new era. Um, and I think I did that, and the kind of the effect was watching the new one being kind of either kind of whelmed or think it was quite not good <laughs> and then going back to the Moffat like Peter Capaldi years and really enjoying it even like when it's not that good um, and it just made the kind of the length of quality and difference in it very very obvious um, and really kind of annoying almost because it kind of like Oh, here's a good example of the TV show, but currently the very, very new version is a current quite a, not a great example um, of how to do this TV show. Um, yeah, and I think the I think it just lacks a lot of stuff that you want from the Doctor. Um, I struggle to think of any really good speeches, for example. Um, I'm kind of especially in the first couple of episodes. I'm always waiting for that. So every Doctor gets it, and it's the it's the I'm the Doctor moment in their opening episode or episodes. Um, and Jodie Whittaker just doesn't really get that. Um, and when she does get versions of that, it's just not quite as strong. Um, and yeah, I just think it's... I think what Harkins... I don't know if maybe you agree, but I think for me what really stops this show from being... this version of the show from being its best self is... The way that Chris Chibnall writes um, exposition and the way he kind of, I think is a really big, huge issue that stops even like the good episodes from being truly great because they feel so oddly paced. They just don't feel right as a Doctor Who episode and as an entertaining like hour of TV. Um, the amount of times the Doctor or any character just stops dead center and just explains something to the audience slash the characters is so constant and so reoccurring that it's it really just it, it's hard to get invested in any of it really uh and there's only and i feel so bad for joy whitaker because there's only so many times you can do the whole um thinking about a problem can't figure out a problem and then the, the gasp of oh figure it out like that's a she's given that to do i think 10 times every episode <laughs> and it's just i don't think it's very fair on her um I don't know, but would you agree with me that Joy Whitaker is is not the the flaw in this kind of reboot sort of thing? No, I agree. I think if if other things had kind of gone gone well, then I think she could have been mm, every bit as good of, as the Doctors who've come before her. Um, the exposition thing, I agree, is a huge thing. The amount of time that mm. she's kind of been forced to say a load of kind of jargon stuff and it's just fallen completely flat. Yeah, every time. It happens at least twice an episode, I feel. <laughs> mm. And it's really... 
it is just really jarring. Um, and it, it it's like I think we we kind of mentioned it in the past and we've talked to each other before, in that it feels like Chris Chibnall obviously. Kind of the, the big thing that he's done before this was Broadchurch, which is very much mm. a very good kind of interpersonal drama, as well as like like a murder mystery. And that show gets really yeah. it excels when it comes to to the kind of the characters and the interactions they have, and it it just genuinely feel like someone that's written that is trying to write the same, just while not yeah. quite being yeah. able to integrate the sci-fi stuff. Which I, I, I appreciate the idea of kind of bringing someone like that in to write this and really give it like a character focus. But sci fi is also a huge part of this. The timey wimey stuff that Stephen Moffat was genuinely so excellent at, it just isn't there. And I feel like it doesn't do the show any favours that you have such, that, such a strong contrast coming off the back of that. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think it tries to harken back to what got audiences in the first place, was the Russell T. Davis kind of quite grounded um, kind of reboot where it was very much London-centric, very much a relatable companion uh, with like northern accents and stuff like that. Like I think he was trying to go for that original flavour that everyone really liked about the reboot. And I just think it it has the, the, the aesthetic of it all. It has, you know, characters who are quite relatable who are quite normal um who have their own lives but i don't think the show going forward and being put into the whole the, the doctor's world i don't think it ever mixes the relatability with the sci-fi ever um i think the characters kind of come off as very very one-dimensional because i think what it is it's a very strange issue it's a very yeah it's very strange because it, it has it's this overabundance of characters but also a, like a deficit of anything to really do of them. Um, they're just sort of there. It's kind of hard to put, especially in the TARDIS. I feel like, for me, I, for me, when it comes to the TARDIS and its set, I don't mind this TARDIS set, but I think you need to have, you know, different layers. I need to think that different floors, for example. Um, not just like the one sort of floor of the console and that's it. And I think what, I think it kind of sums up the whole thing is when you, you're watching this kind of show with Joy Whitaker and her free companions, sometimes more, and they're all kind of standing around on this one set around the console. And more, like, I think, like, nine times out of ten, two people are talking, and every character in the background is just standing there looking at, like they're dead. <laughs> it's very, very strange. And I think that kind of sums up the whole thing with the characters is that they don't really engage and they don't really have anything to do when they're not the main, main focus. Um, and it really, it's a shame because I, I want to like, I, I like Bradley Walsh's character or Yaz. Like, I really want to like that those characters, but they're so, I don't know, they're given so little that I feel like I'm just looking for scraps of anything I, I can know about them. <laughs> um, and I think this show would have really benefited going ahead, um, the character of Graham or, or like anyone just left and then there was only the Doctor and one person. I think it would have helped massively with the way that Chibnall writes. Um, but we never, yeah, we don't really ever get that. And I think it, yeah, I think it's all, it's too much and too little at the same time. And when you add sci-fi that's not particularly well uh, handled on top of that, I feel like this, this season of the show just falls into 
mediocrity slash kind of bad slash sometimes almost good <laughs> um and yeah it's just a very weird mix i think because we said this before we always go through the highlights i do think this season has its highlights which is probably for me at least i think it's probably the episode of, of rosa um the demons of punjab and i quite liked Kabla- uh, kablam um the kind of delivery robot thing <laughs> but in saying that the reason i like rosa and demons of punjab is just because it's about the characters for a bit and it's mostly about the characters and not really about sci-fi um i think that's a reoccurring thing really where it's when the show's doing a big sci-fi thing with, with a big theme it falls flat but when the show has time to concentrate on one character and explore that through the timey wimey it works out pretty pretty okay pretty well um yeah i don't know i mean for you what are the highlights of this season at least I, 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 strangely, I think her first episode is one of her better ones. Hmm. Yeah. Um, despite a very strange villain, I feel like even kind of watching it at the time, I didn't, I didn't feel like what would happen in the next three seasons would happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I felt like sure it's a kind of a shaky-ish beginning, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot of potential in that one, and so that kind of first episode, I do quite enjoy. Yeah. Um. Similar to you, Rosa, in terms of having quite a clear focus and being on kind of on a smaller scale, allowing it to kind of focus on the characters, I think it it, it is a kind of a better episode than most of the ones in this series and can be quite a highlight. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, I seem to remember liking It Takes You Away until the end. <laughs> um. I can't remember it all that well, but I seem to remember thinking that Hang on a minute. Maybe, maybe something is going to happen here. Maybe mm-hmm. this is going to be kind of like a, um, a heaven sent almost episode. But I don't think it delivers. Like, if I remember, mm-hmm. does she speak to like a godly frog or something? She does. Yeah, I think so. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of appreciate that in terms of you know they've gone for it, but yeah. it hasn't quite worked. I appreciate when Doctor Who goes weird, but sometimes when it's not supported by anything around it it kind of like all right that was weird <laughs> if you're gonna go weird you have to go weird for a reason yeah yeah it was just weird <laughs> for the sake of being a bit weird yeah um as someone who also at a level studied the um the witch hunts in england mm. um the witch finder episode does piss me off <laughs> <laughs> just for the just for the level of certain historical inaccuracies mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah I think uh, for for most parts kind of it takes you away kind of promises a lot in a similar way to the woman who fell to earth does mm. um, but sim- similarly to to kind of the, the run as a whole with Jodie Whittaker and Chibnall I never, I never completely gave up. I don't think. And I yeah. think that's what kind of hurts me in the long run, because <laughs> I always felt watching it thinking there is something there, there is yeah. potential, and I it can this, work. Yeah. yeah, I think when I'm watching it, I'm always like, there's, there is something at the centre here, and it is, it's Jodie Whittaker, and it is, mm. there is a dynamic here in this team when it's at its best, where it, it makes sense, and I like all of them. But it just, it very, very rarely goes beyond just being all right. Mm. <laughs> and I think, and I think for me, just to kind of briefly talk about that first episode that like you're saying, I think for me, the whole, I quite enjoyed the 
first episode at the time. Um, but I think when I I think when I look back on it and look on the show going forward, I think it can all be summed up by one scene in that opening, which is mm. when I had this very weird feeling that something was off and something didn't feel quite the way I wanted it to feel. And it was the moment that the the Doctor, as Joy Whitaker, kind of confronts the, the, the villain and has her, I'm the Doctor, and this is what I do when I, I'm setting things right in the universe with my friends. And she's saying all this, and she's doing a big speech, and the music is being quite, not epic, but quite, like, soothing and quite, like, oh, she's just the Doctor. And I just remember not feeling it. And I just remember thinking, all right, okay. I know, and and I, my mind was just going back to, remember when Eleven said... And the doctors are basically run, and it like hits so hard. And the doctors, yeah. like the the tenth doctor's doing the whole Lion King speech. Um, even Eccleston's doing his own. Like even though he's like being introduced, really, like in that way, he's like still having lines that are like, "I'm the doctor," like deal with it, sort of thing. Um, mm. There's so many things I can think about in there this episode where I'm like, "Oh, that that just clicks," and the actors killing it, and there's writings there, and the plots there, and everything. And I just felt like I had a feeling this weird, like something's not. There's a piece missing, and I don't know what the piece is. And I think it took until at least between you know the next series and then going, especially when by the time it's all been wrapped up, to kind of have this overview over it. Where I'm like, this, I think this is what was missing, and it's it's just so it's just like this weird sort of feeling of we're not we're doing sci-fi, but not really. We're doing character stuff, but not really. We're doing fun, but not really. <laughs> like it's kind of mm. like. It's all things but nothing at the same time. It's kind of just like a porridge sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I want to like it more, and I want to give a new writer and a new actress more to like. Be like, oh yeah, this is good. This, this is good. But I genuinely struggle to kind of think of like more than a couple of things here and there. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think kind of end to end end the season. I think like you were saying before. Uh, the New Year's uh, Day specials just do not work for me on any level. <laughs> mm. um, I, I wish they did, <laughs> um, but they really don't. I mean, yeah. Do you did you miss the Christmas special? Because I think it just suits the Doctor so much better. Yeah, I think it's maybe the biggest mistake they made. Yeah, it might be. And um, it just takes it, it, that. That's where it kind of comes comes through about the whole the whole kind of. It doesn't feel like Doctor Who because you've stripped that away. Mm. Yeah. I, I again, I get kind of logic behind it, but I just think in changing that, you've kind of taken away the tradition of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I understand there are parts that you want to strip back, but the Christmas special is the bones of Doctor Who in many ways. Mm. It, I, I when I found out that this Christmas special wasn't really a part of the whole original series i was surprised because it just made sense to me to have it on christmas mm. <laughs> um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and it yeah i i just because with the christmas special you can look at them and you know it's christmas and mm. it gives it it gives it that whole isolated kind of one-off story it gives it a kind of I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Kind of an elevation in terms of the fairy taleness of it. You have a lot yeah, you can rely yeah. on. There's a lot you can play play on in terms of kind of iconography and the visuals of Christmas. Mm. But if you come to kind of a New Year's special, what does that look like? 
yeah. What does a New Year's special look like? Other than it, a couple of fireworks, mm, which you yeah. could maybe do in one episode. Maybe maybe you can kind of make one episode about the end of the year, end of the universe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But to replace the Christmas special with that, it just feels strange. And it, it doesn't... It just doesn't add up to me. It doesn't, yeah. And I think it's, <laughs> I think as well... They even mention it in the show, which I think is weird, and I think it kind of gives the whole thing a, a very kind of tired and very, you know, you might as well watch this because it's on TV, you just might as well, I guess. And they mention the idea that New Year's Day is usually the day where people are hungover and doing nothing. And I'm like, why would... Okay, I get it, that is probably true, but why would you mention that you're probably watching this episode right now because you might as well and nothing else on and you're very hungover? Like, that's... I d- it doesn't. It doesn't suit the show well. It doesn't fit with the themes. It doesn't add to any sort of quality. And I think as well as kind of like as you mentioned there, uh, you think of Doctor Who, you think of Christmas, and you think of like this fairy tale uh, aspect of it being very much enhanced. Um, but that kind of reminds me that I can't think of like a way to describe the Chibnall era in terms of like it's not the fairy tale kind of thing that Moffat was going for. It's neither is it the kind of grounded London relatable kind of thing that Davies was going for it's it, it, I can't really pinpoint what Chibnall's era the vibe is really <laughs> like I can't really I don't know what they're going for um he just doesn't really quite click um and I think going forward into series 12 I think that's when for me, this is when for me it, it gets more kind of annoying because I think it gets better kind of at handling some sci-fi plots but i think what gets annoying is that the it was fine for me that the show was okay but it was doing new things with new villains because it was tr- at least trying something new and trying to carve out its own thing but i think with series 12 it kind of it it goes back it goes to the past it brings people back it they're the master um cybermen and then we kind of get this massive massive very controversial uh, I guess, law change uh, in the finale. Um, and it just kind of... And I also think this episode, this series might contain some of the worst episodes in the show, this overall, really. Um, it's just a real shame. And I think this is what might have... I don't want to say killed it, but kind of made everyone go, oh, yeah, this isn't going to get better. I might as well turn off for this era. Because <laughs> um, it didn't get better, I don't think, really. Um yeah, for you, series twelve. How did it kind of overall fall for you? I think it it starts <laughs> <laughs> for me. It starts very poorly. Mm. Gets better in the middle, and then ends <laughs> equally as poorly. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think I think Orphan Fifty Two is probably the worst episode since the revival. It might be, yeah. That actually might be. I really didn't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, equally, I think The Haunting of Villa Diodati might be the best of Whitaker's run. Yeah. I, could, yeah, I, I could quite that, yeah. like that episode. Hmm. I generally, as, as a concept, that Spider-Man... That's not Spider-Man. That <laughs> Cyberman... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a genuine highlight for the most part. Hmm. Um, aside from the fact that he randomly appears in the very last episode of Whitaker's Run. That was strange. <laughs> that was strange. Um, but yeah, I think that episode, and there's two episodes with him in, I quite like those episodes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
they ranked up there quite highly for me. Um, but uh, the kind of the biggest thing that I kind of have with this isn't because I think as someone who isn't necessarily as in tune with the law of Doctor Who, I don't think the big reveal hit me kind of as drastically as it hit a lot of other people. Mm. Yeah, like I got that it was. It's the kind of retcon that, at least in my little world, my little head, it's the kind of retcon that you just don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think what irks me more about this is how it handles the master. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because when I look back on this series and I look at the master, I always remember that kind of episode um, with David Tennant, his last one, David Tennant opposite um, John Sims, and that kind of where he chooses not to shoot the master, he chooses not to kind of continue kind of the battle that they've got going. And it feels like a genuine, well-earned turning point between mm-hmm. those two characters. Yeah, definitely. And I feel that even though the master kind of reappears again within Capaldi's run mm. uh, as a villain again, I don't feel like... I feel like that still continues that progression and that story. Mm-hmm. However, he comes in in this... And it's like that never happened. It's like, yeah, it's like the te- past 10 years of like telling the story has not even occurred. Yeah, it's very strange. I th- it's the kind of thing about this kind of show where people kind of take on from other writers and then kind of just disregard what previous writers have done. Yeah. And that's what, that's what gets me. Like, it feels like they've just used the master in this season just as an opportunity to use a villain. Yeah, it feels like they've come off season eleven and they've said, "Right, we need to use the older villains. Let's just use one." And yeah, mm. let's just use one. Yeah, and they've chosen the master. Like I think generally, when you look at the older villains appearing in this, they don't feel very well integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that started with the the New Year's special that preceded this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, when they bring the Daleks back and. Doesn't really work. Not um, really. Because <laughs> I think I think that's kind of the most tragic thing about this entire run is that one of the big criticisms of the first season is that they don't really introduce introduce new villains well, despite that being what they're going for. But then after it, they don't really use the older villains particularly well either. Yeah, um, it's a very and, and, weird and, thing. Yeah. yeah, and for me, it just. Yeah. This version of the master in this run, it just really irks me the way he's been used from from a standpoint of a writer seeing it, seeing one writer disregard another writer's work. Mm. It just it just kind of breaks my heart that kind of progression from what is probably one of my favourite episodes of the entire show is just kind of ignored. Yeah, I think, and I, I guess that's kind of what people feel like when they get upset about the timeless children and that. You know, yeah. they feel like a lot of what they understood has been disregarded as well. Mm. Yeah, I think for me with the, the Timeless Children sort of thing, it mm. it surprised me how much it annoyed me because I'm, obviously I'm not, you know, I haven't watched much of the original kind of run on the show. I'm yeah. not, partic- usually more often than not, I'm not particularly that much into the, the deep, you know, backstory of characters yeah. and how, you know, the science of sci-fi works really. But for some reason it, it, it annoys me so much and I think it's because... It's one of those annoying tropes where the main character gets a destiny because he's the main character, sort of mm. thing, and it just sort of happens. And I think what's worse is it. I wouldn't 
I might I'd be hesitant to watch it and I wouldn't like it, but I think like I would give it a chance and kind of see where it was going if it ever went somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> it goes nowhere. It's so strange. It's like it the whole season culminates on this point of this big, you know, and again to come back to the original issue, which is the whole kind of writing in how to explain things. And the fact that the, the season finale led to the season series 12 is literally just the Doctor's trapped and the Master is giving a slideshow about her past, really. Um, mm. And that's about it. And I think the way she escapes is by, is by doing a big think, you know? <laughs> I think that's about it. Um, mm. It just doesn't work. And I feel what gets what really annoys about it is like it has this whole complicated backstory uh, with this implication that like the Doctor is some sort of like I don't know, like other universe being sort of thing, and it's just, it's just very annoying and very pointless overall. It just adds, it add again. It's similar to again the issue of the companions. It's more but less at the same time. It's just, I know more about the character, but I also feel like I like the character less because of, because of this. Um, mm. To my mind, the Doctor is weird, like at its at its complete and utter best when it's a guy or a girl just doing something because they might as well like it's to me it's never been about the doctor thinks he's a hero or thinks he's, he's part of this you know big universal plan to fix the world or anything like that he's just doing it because he might as well i, I yeah. always think and he can't not and the idea that it's it's somewhat more important than that and that the entirety of gallifrey is based on her it's just a bit it's too much it's just a, a chosen one sort of thing for no real reason mm. Um, it, it kind of feels like if it it feels like if you'd gone in like a Batman comic or a Batman film, mm. and all of a sudden just kind of said, "Oh yeah, you're actually also from Krypton." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It changed the entire. <laughs> you're like... found by the Waynes. <laughs> it, it completely like flips the whole thing on its head for the sake of doing the flip on the head thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just adds it, nothing. It, it, it's it's the kind of idea that yes she she or he is is this kind of otherworldly being that kind of comes to earth and saves the day but even despite that there is still the kind of understanding that she or he is is still mortal mm, yeah is still is still basically a human in all but name kind of they have the emotions and the and the kind of vulnerability of a human mm-hmm. but yeah. then this kind of twist comes in, you kind of remove, kind of remove that humanity from her mm-hmm. or him. Yeah. And it, I think it's difficult, but I think it almost kind of still manages to undermine a lot of what comes before it because there is just the feeling that they're just one person against the universe. Just trying to do the right thing at the right time, not necessarily been given any God given right to be there or god given mission just a wanderer in the right place at the right time trying to do the right thing yeah and, and to say that she's she or he is this mythical being that is the center of the universe and the center of her race of people it just it screams kind of almost like a panic retcon yeah it feels it like it feels like they decided um We've got to do something. What shall we do? Hmm. Yeah, it just it just it just screams panic. I think it's kind of like they were aware of the criticisms of this previous season, and that yeah. one of those was that nothing kind of happened particularly. 
the characters didn't really develop and the villains weren't good enough to like justify us being caring about like us caring about the plots kind of stakes so mm. i think they kind of took, took it at the heart and instead of going let's make a really good villain or let's make everyone love the characters instead of doing that they went let's change something fundamental about this character so people have to watch and you know we have to imply that there's oh yeah we have to bring you know of course the a new doctor into the whole thing with the uh, the fugitive doctor and i think for me like it's annoying because you, you bring her in and then nothing happens <laughs> like it's so strange why would you like mm. it's so strange like imagine if you you know in the name of the doctor they introduced john her as the doctor he went missing for like half a season mm. and then came back for like maybe one or two scenes inside the head of the main character and gave some vague mm. advice and that was it like, why have you done this? I'm, I'm just like, I'm interested, but I'm not because I don't like. It's nothing going on here. Um, mm. It's just very bizarre, and I think, like you were saying before as well, the master it just screams of ignoring what came before just to kind of reset some things and add some more mystery to things and all that, and it just doesn't yeah. work. And I think, like, yeah, yeah. I, I get how complicated it is sticking to all the law, especially, you know, you're coming at the end of, well, not at the end, but coming off the back of a good 10 seasons of the revival. Hmm. Um, and I think Russell T. Davies came into the kind of the reboot in a very unenviable position in having to stick to the almost random law of the original run. Yeah. And there is this massive law to keep to. But in my mind, I'm thinking... At least stick to the reboot. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> only least, ten seasons. Like, you've watched it, clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think, like you said before, like I, for me, for my favorite master is uh, the Moffat, like Missy uh, version. Mm. And it's a very similar yeah. thing where there's so much happens with that character where even her first outing isn't like an evil take over the world plan. It's, it's an evil plan and all that, but it is also... The end goal is to make the Doctor understand that they're not that different and to give him the power to kind of control his army and Cybermen and confirm that, you know, given enough power, given an army, the Doctor would, you know, cite his rule across the world and the galaxy and all that. And mm. to kind of prove that they're very similar and like they can be friends again because they are the same. Like, even her first very evil, very, you know, out there plan is fundamentally, I want my friend back. Like, even like that. Yeah. And then she, to go further and further on, like she even gets redeemed further and further to the point where you generally think for that, that final episode that she might genuinely like be standing with the Doctor doing some good in the world. Um, you think it actually might happen. And it almost, almost does. Um, and to have the Master return and just be, in my opinion, it's not the actor's fault again, it's just the... The writing is so surface level and so basic and so just like, oh, the master's like, you know, like a crazy guy, isn't he? And that's it. <laughs> and mm. he said it kind of comes on, does a bit of hand waving and, you know, big speeches and, you know, manic weird laughter and all that. And it's like, it's interesting because I guess most of villains so far haven't had this sort of presence in this series, at least. So you're kind of like, oh, this is new. And then that's it. Again, that's that, that's it. <laughs> that's all we get. Mm. It's just manic laughing and whatever, and that's it. Um, and the choice to return Gallifrey to being burnt down as well, I just... 
why? <laughs> why? Yeah, like, why? <laughs> it, I preferred it. Like, I like the idea of this arc happening, and it was this massive, massive thing. And then to have it kind of be undone in one episode and have no real, again, not to come back to it ever again. And I like, kind of, it's just like, just leave it to the next writer, I guess. It's just, mm. it's strange. Uh, and it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's kind of what I noticed more is that it's kind of a disrespectful error in some ways. Um, mm. Like, we don't want to be too mean to this error. Cause I feel like I'm going too far here, maybe, but... <laughs> there are parts of this where I feel like it's genuinely disrespectful. <laughs> um, mm. And I just, I do kind of wonder how Davies and I think especially Moffat maybe uh, feel about the idea that the next writer kind of came on board and ignored what he didn't want and then took and then changed things that they had set up before. It's just, it's not great. And yeah, it's not like, it's not like those previous writers like ran the show on a whim. It's yeah. not like in their spare time, is it? It's, mm. It was their life for a, a good few years. You know, Stephen Moffat was on it for... Because he was on it during Russell T. Davies' run. Mm. Yeah, it, it would be fascinating to know what they think. Yeah. And, yeah, it just kind of... I, I wonder, and especially going forward with Davis coming back, I do wonder if he'll be a good sport and kind of just take it on and just kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. I'm not going to really touch it but it's a thing that's you know that can be his thing yeah. that's Chibnall's baby sort of thing I'm not going to touch it um, mm. or will is it possible do you think that they'll actually retcon the retcon <laughs> in some way I mean I think if it was me coming in <laughs> I would be I, I'd find it very tempting I, I'd find it very difficult to avoid retconning it again I, yeah me too I would feel like so when can we squeeze that into like the background even just like a a quick line of, oh yeah, that was all a trick. <laughs> like kind of an off-screen sort of thing. I wouldn't even like mind it if that was all it was. Like, like a, cause it's yeah, so, cause it, yeah. It kind of, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel as disrespectful because you've been disrespected in the first place. Yeah, it's sort of like, well, you did it to me, so why should I? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um. <laughs> I also, I also kind of, this is kind of stretching it to kind of last few episodes now, but I also think it's interesting Um to have Russell D. Davis, Russell T. Davis come in um, for his new run off the back of kind of the relationship between Yaz and the Doctor hmm. because in the past for various kind of other TV shows Russell T. Davis has been quite critical of shows um, queer baiting hmm. yeah. and I feel like this this kind of run especially towards the end with kind of this Doctor and Yaz it is really quite guilty of it. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so in that regard as well, I I, I I find it interesting to think to see what he thinks and how he approaches it. Hmm. Yeah. It. Yeah. Because um, I think the whole Yaz and Doctor thing, it comes on board to the show so late that you can't help but think, have they done this? Because obviously there's probably you know, fans out there that want this to happen, and then hmm. to say then to actually confirm that it might happen. And then to just not do it, it's so kind of like, it's, it's it is it is pretty much queer baiting, yeah. And mm. I do wonder how Davis feels about that, like having kind of take the doctor on, just pretty much essentially just from that moment where he says she says goodbye to her, and then to kind of mm. move on from that, yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of finish out this series at least, do you want to talk about the return, I guess, of 
uh, Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> it happens so randomly. Which episode is it again? Is it? It's the New Year's Day special, yeah. The New Year's Day. Yeah. I'm struggling to remember which the, the Spyfall or the second or the other one. It's um, I think it's called Revolution of the Daleks. Yeah, I'd forgotten. It's when the Doctor's trapped in the prison for quite a yeah. while and. I've uh, completely forgotten. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Captain Jack. <laughs> I think that that's his first appearance post torture as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's good to see him. Yeah, but, it's, it's, um, yeah, he's there. It's. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think the episode's particularly good, but yeah. <laughs> no. I think, honestly, God, I think all the New Year's Day specials really fall flat for me, actually. Yeah, it's... And it's sort of strange that that's the only Dalek, Geordie Whitaker thing, and they're all not good. Mm. I think uh, this kind of... It, it's another episode, now I'm remembering more of it. It's another episode that mm. generally suffers quite badly because this run just just suffers in, when it comes to villains. Yeah. There yeah. isn't... There just aren't any villains that work for me. Nah. Um, Same. Yeah. And it it's 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 it, it's another kind of just a, a, a way in which a lot of the decisions that they make just don't work and don't come together because it mm. they've kind of gone for these several kind of world-ending events. We you know the the big villains, the Daleks, being back in many cases. But they've gone for these massive world-ending events, and I just generally, I'm just not feeling them. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I think I fail to fully grasp with these kind of big events that they do the severity of them. Mm, um, yeah. And I think, I think the flux um, in the next season, I think there's quite a bit to talk about on that one. But again when it comes to like these new year's specials it feels like every time they do one it's the daleks and their plans yeah, basically yeah. just the same generic evil thing and they keep on bringing back that character from the the arachnids in the uk episode where, he, where he's very much like i'm donald trump yeah. in case you didn't realize what i am yeah. <laughs> like he keeps on coming back it's very strange but yeah what do you think about the return of captain jack um, similar to you, I I, I almost forgot it happened. Mm. It sort of just he was there. He had some good dialogue that he would have. Um, they didn't do a big retcon, so that was all right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just kind of yeah. New Year's Day and Doctor Who, it, it can work, but I don't think it ever does work. And I feel like just be by the starting point of being on New Year's Day, it just has the disadvantage. This is a disadvantage compared to. Christmas Day, and I just don't think. Yeah, it's kind of weird as well because you, you'd think that the Doctor who gets the the quote unquote fam, like a character, you know, the character who gets uh, Graham and Yaz, and like you, you'd think that you know that that would make sense for them to have Christmas specials as a family. Yeah, you would. <laughs> um, but no, they get New Year's Day. They get the hungover day apparently. Um, yeah, I don't get it. It's just yeah, weird one. Um, I guess, yeah, we might as well go forward into the, the finale, I guess, of her entire run mm-hmm. uh, in Series 13. Um, 
which I would say it's it's not too bad. I think it's, it's the most consistent. It's consistent. I think it's helped by being shorter and connected a bit more. Yeah, like um, I, I feel like as we've kind of said before, the whole anthology thing naturally means you're going to have dips and peaks. Mm, um, yeah. And I think this run of Doctor Who is particularly susceptible when doing those kind of Monster of the Week things. It was it did prove particularly susceptible to, to low lows. Mm, um, yeah. So kind of the more consistent, more kind of flowing story between the, the six episodes, I feel like it, it makes it stronger, certainly for the first part. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and... But yeah, I think it, is it this it series. This is the series where we get the character of Dan played by John Bishop. Yep. Um, who, again, similar to pretty much every other companion in this era, it's he's there, he's nice, he's funny sometimes, mm. and that's about it. I I I struggle to think of anything about him that's like not just he's nice. Is he? Um, yeah. He's. I, it's so confusing that they just get an actor on board. Mm. Like the pretty famous actors as well for the UK, John Bisson, uh, Bradley Walsh, and he just gets so little to do. It feels like they're um, trying to uh, uh, um, recreate the the success they had with Catherine Tate. Yeah, yeah, and and as well to with kind no of success. <laughs> the companions, right? I, for a bit of context, I am from the north. <laughs> I am a northerner. I think uh, I think you'd be happy to describe yourself <laughs> as a northerner as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, going through these more northern-based episodes, I do feel like, at the point of them, for the first time, I've ever kind of thought to a television show, please just go back to London. <laughs> please go back down south. I do. I do know what you mean. <laughs> you're not. You're not showing this particularly well here, Chris. Yeah. And when we are around, you know, when you are doing good things in this sort of area, it's just sort of like, I feel a bit weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should like it, but I really don't. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I do agree. I think like, kind of the character of Dan is, is a very inoffensive character. And a lot yeah, of John Bishop's natural charisma kind of comes through. Mm. Um, and I think that, I think the whole character is summed up by how he leaves the show, which is... I think the finale opens up. He has a minor injury sort of thing, and it says, "I want to go home now." Yeah. And everyone goes, "All right," and that's it. Sin a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, do you have a highlight from the flux? Um, I quite like the opening. Mm. I don't mind the opening, and I also quite like. Uh, the angels episode because mm-hmm. um, I think it just by its, by its you know what it has is the angels and that makes everything better yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that kind of it works quite well actually I was surprised that they, they didn't you know drop the ball on them as much as they have in the past really um, I think they use pretty standardly but you know still pretty good mm. um, I don't particularly care much for the actual villain of the whole thing <laughs> Um <laughs> The, I, don't know, I forget what you call I was going to call them the Flux, I guess. Um, the Vanquishers, maybe. Um, they're just sort yeah. of there, and they just have that weird cosmic power to 
disintegrator things with the power of CGI, that sort of thing. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't really... To honestly, looking at... All, I think what defines this whole series is that, looking at it now, I can't really decide on a favourite, but I know that it's just overall not that bad. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I don't know, what... Yeah. For you, do you have a favourite? I think... The, I do agree with you in that I think the Angels episode is is competently handled. That's 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 the biggest compliment I think I can pay. It's fine. It abides yeah, by the rules totally and it makes a, a a pretty decent episode of it. There's a, there's a quite a few mm-hmm. other good actors in it as well, I think that helps. Yeah. Um I don't mind the Sontarans, that episode. I didn't mind that. I thought oh, yeah. that was okay, I was alright yeah. as well. Not bad, um, yeah. I think the thing that made me kind of raise my eyebrow was how the Doctor brutally kills all of, all the villains at the end. This is actually that's a that's a reoccurring thing. Yeah, it just <laughs> um, all them seasons. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lock them out of the shield. Just yeah, kill them I'm all. just gonna I'm just gonna put these spiders who are actually victims into a box, and I'm gonna take out all the air. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a reoccurring thing over and over again that this Doctor does. And it's weird because it's what you'd imagine Series 8 Peter Capaldi doing early on yeah. <laughs> um, as part of an obvious arc. Mm. And the fact that this Doctor does this sort of thing time and time again and just sort of gets away with it and doesn't have any sort of worry about it mm. is so strange. Nobody bats an I think it. just... Not yet. Nobody like goes, maybe we shouldn't. It's, it's very strange. Mm. Um, and I think... Yeah, let's kind of go back to, the, I guess, the main sort of thing of this whole thing. is like, Joy Whitaker as the Doctor, I think by the time we get to the series, it really clicks in with you that I'm never going to get to know this character very well, am I? Like, um, and to be honest, I generally think that the character can be, uh, can be quite unlikable sometimes. Mm. Um, there are some occasions, I think it's more at Series 12, really, but there are some occasions where I feel like they're going for an arc where the Doctor tries to be more you know, lonely and more kind of, I need to do what I need to do, and you can't help me. And kind of have that be a part of an arc where she accepts her uh, family mm. uh, with Yaz and everyone. But it doesn't come across that way. And there are plenty of scenes that I can think of right now where the Doctor just, is just quite mean for no reason. Mm. Um, there's one occasion, I think we're going quite back way now, but I think in series 12, I think it's called Can You Hear Me? And it's this episode that's quite... Uh, you know, on the nose about mental health and all that, yeah. and it's, and I think they're talking to she's talking to Graham about a cancer diagnosis, and it's weird because she's so like they're going for like an awkward sort of almost eleven esque sort of oh I'm, I'm awkward and fumbly and you don't really understand human sort of thing, but it's that hasn't really been present before in the character to, to this degree, and the way she handles the whole situation just being along with Graham talking about a very serious thing. It's just by saying some very rude things. Um, and for me, overall, by the time I get to the end of this, this Doctor's sort of run, I don't think... I don't not like her, but I definitely don't... I wouldn't mind if she just stopped. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that might be really mean, but I just don't particularly care enough about this character. I don't know anything about them. And what I do know about them is that they are quite mean, they're willing, willing to kill things, and they mostly seem like they're doing good things because it's just, you know, part of the show, I guess. Mm. 
Um, so when I, I if you know, I didn't. So like going forward a bit, when Joy Whitaker says goodbye to Yaz and then Aki just says goodbye to the character, I'm like, oh, Joy Whitaker, I wish you got something to do because mm. like, as a character in this costume right now, I don't care that much, and I, I wish I did. <laughs> like I really want to. I really want to. Yeah. Um, I know. Like, do you feel at all like by the time by the time for you when it came to the finale of her run? Not that, like, obviously the actress has put, like, is, I think we both agree that the actress got dealt a shorthand and that's the main issue yeah. here, really. Yeah. Um, but, did, like, as the character of the Doctor, the 13th Doctor, did you, like, feel anything? Because <laughs> I didn't. Um, I think I felt more when I saw who she regenerated into. <laughs> right. Um, that's the, yeah. that's kind of the, probably one of the saddest parts for her. In that, yeah, she just, mm. she just. I think I feel like she deserved better. I think I've been quite cruel in this podcast, and I don't, I don't necessarily hate anybody involved. No, I, in fact, no, I don't hate anybody involved with this at all. I just think that mm. I just think it was more. I understand the decisions that were made, and I understand almost why they were made, but I just don't think mm. they worked, and it was a perfect storm of of. Well-intended bad choices. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think everybody came into this with kind of enthusiasm and interest in doing it right and attempting this story and doing it well. And I think, kind of, when it comes to the personality of this Doctor, I think one of the kind of the the main stumbling blocks becomes the fact that I think they relied too heavily solely on the idea of this being the first female Doctor. Mm, yeah, it feels yeah. in many regards that they kind of brought her on and just said great great this this is the change this is the new thing we're doing just go out there mm. and be the doctor yeah uh, and yeah. I think without that kind of of direction that other doctors have had like Matt Smith kind of had this kind of childish fairy tale feel to him kind of an old man mm. in a young man's body and even though they are all the same character there are personality quirks that are specific to each one and they come together to form a really quite unique personality in each of those cases yeah and i just don't think that jodie whittaker had that opportunity Mm. Um, yeah and i think i still very much think that there's a lot to celebrate about this version of the character i think it's amazing that we have a Mm. version of the character that is female because not yeah. only have we had the kind of the bravery to make that step, they've also op- they've opened so many doors in terms of opportunities for the future. And I think mm, it's very yeah. much something to celebrate. And I think Jodie Whittaker's enthusiasm for the role is something to celebrate as well. I just think it was other things that didn't align. And yeah, and I definitely. just don't think it's... that in many ways, in terms of the formatting and the genre of the series. I don't think Chris Chibnall and the team that behind it fit all that well. Yeah, it's because Chris, Chris, yeah, I would say Chris Chibnall has proven, kind of with Broadchurch and some of his other work, he has proven that he's he's a very talented writer. Um, mm, yeah, I just don't think he matched with being a showrunner for Doctor Who. Yeah, I feel like he can. If you just give him an episode, a season, or whatever, mm. that's very much the character season, a uh, character sorry episode. Yeah where there's not much sci-fi and the characters are already established so you know them well enough to know what's going on. Mm. I feel like he could handle that really well. 
But to say that he's got to show run the whole thing and to plan out a whole season worth of sci-fi and character work and for the first series and for pretty much the whole series, setting up who the main character is, um, it, it doesn't, yeah, it's too much in one plate. And I don't feel like Chris Chibnall is the best suited for it. I think he just works better in different uh, spaces. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I think I think the whole thing gets summed up for me by via her opening speech and her final speech, which is just that her opening speech, I'm just thinking there's something missing here that... I'm thinking about the previous speeches and the previous mm. music and the previous kind of villains that they're going up against. I'm like, this clicks and it's amazing. And this just doesn't feel right. And I think about the final season and the final kind of speech kind of to the camera almost and then the goodbye. And I I just don't feel it again. Mm. There's something missing. Um, and I think as well, it's... Because like, for me, for example, whenever when I've been watching the show and going through it uh, before doing these podcasts... Um, I whenever no matter what doctor, whenever I get to the end of their run, I always I'm on the verge of crying, yeah. and I always like I'm always very emotional about it, and I'm always like maybe they are my favorite. I don't know. Like it's it's always that way. Mm. So the fact that I watched the entirety of Whitaker's run and Chibnall's run got to the end, and it was not only the end of this character and its version of the character as the actress, but also the 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 short writer as well. The fact that they're both going at once, and I just felt. Like, uh, not like oh good, would you know? Not, I didn't feel like good riddance. I just felt like a a very whelmed sort of meh. All right, mm. we're gone. Okay, we're moving on now. I guess. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. Do you want to talk about this like generally the the last episode for you? Because I think for me it's probably one of the strongest mm. in terms of her run. I agree. I think because yeah. it's so so much is happening that you can't help but like how much is happening mm. <laughs> um, and how crazy it is. Even though there are definitely very similar flaws present, yeah. I think. I think um, I think you can yeah. praise them for how they've thrown the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like a finale. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, they they yeah. majorly succeed in building that that sense that this is the last one, and they've kind of brought mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the highlights of the previous kind of seasons and what, what went right and what people did enjoy. They've brought them back and they brought them back well. I think, because they, they brought back older companions as well. Mm. And I think that for the most part, they worked pretty well as well. Um, mm-hmm. I liked seeing the other versions of the Doctor. Um, yeah, not that I yet. think in many of the cases, they kind of, it feels a bit random, and it feels a bit random which Doctors are brought back. Mm-hmm. But at the <laughs> yeah. same time, I think that they do serve a purpose, and seeing them is quite enjoyable. Um, mm. And I think it's just a really well-rounded story for this run. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, there is a lot going on, but they kind of close the book nicely. It wraps things up quite mm. nicely, and it's it is one of the stronger editions of this phase of the show. They kind of yeah. go out on their best. It it kind of it definitely doesn't do the. The reoccurring flaw with the show in this era, which is, I don't really buy into the big sci-fi world-ending mm. thing. Um, this time, I actually quite do. I yeah. believe that the world is ending and the Doctor's going to die and all that. There's something about it where, they, I think the stakes have risen pretty well. Maybe that's just mm. because you know it's the last one, but um, um, there's something about that does work better. But I do think because we were, I think we mentioned this over text earlier 
like maybe last last month maybe mm. um but this kind of idea that this whole the free series when you look at them it's a very strange shift that happens where they start out being very much like a hard reboot we're doing new things new characters new villains and then the second series kind of just goes well that, that didn't really work out <laughs> um so let's try out mm. going backwards and going into some very pointless lore recon sort of things and then we get to the first series and season where it where the finale includes not graham um it includes yaz kind of but it more so includes all the doctors and all the companions um mm. it's very strange that that happened that it opens so like we're doing new things for a new era and ends with we're bringing back all doctors from before even 2005 mm. the revival yeah um it's it's a very strange sort of story in itself almost how the show changes in this era um and i think uh it, it like you're saying it, it's the best because it, it handles it feels like it's actually got some stakes to it but at the same time it has an excess again of random things <laughs> and ex- not an excess of good things that you care about but it's kind of an excess of like oh that thing like why are you here but that's fun i guess um <laughs> And it, it works on that level of like, oh, we're, we're doing everything in one hour. <laughs> um, and I mean, I think the whole thing gets summed up by, um, I think the master's wearing like every outfit that the doc's ever worn in one thing. Um, <laughs> I think that sums the whole thing up, really. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the, the maniac version of the doctor wearing all the doctor's clothes mm. ever over decades um, of the show. Um, it Yeah, it's kind of a, a weird mix of old and new that it feels weird but it definitely feels like well things are happening at least um which is sort of weird to say about the show at this point um yeah and once again we're getting to we get into kind of like we're talking about the power of the doctor and what it is and regeneration and all that and once again i'm a bit like that's not the special part though <laughs> um i feel like chibnall does weirdly enough see this character as an actual superhero mm. um so I don't think, no, I don't think that's what the character is, <laughs> or at least the character at its best. I don't think um, it's not a superhero. It's not a person with any sort of powers that define that like that person. It's more just the person, really, being able to fix things. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it's it's not a whimper. It goes out on, I would say, but it's not, you know, a satisfying, you know, explosion of things. Really, <laughs> it's more mm. just like. Oh, you, you closed the book. Not too bad, you know. You, you did it nicely enough. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think yeah, like you said before, I think I think for me and I think for a lot of people, definitely uh, the big sort of sin of this final episode is definitely the the very odd uh, kind of ending to Yaz and the Doctor, mm. um, which is such a. It is probably one of the most clear examples I can think of of like a, a scene that tries to like hook you in of like oh it could happen, and it just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, the even like they're sitting on top of the TARDIS in front of the world having uh, ice cream together for the last moment and it could so cl- it's so close to happening but they don't do it and it's just oh, it's it's very annoying and very quite I imagine for a, a lot of people actually quite hurtful as well mm. um, to not see that sort of happen in the show um, yeah so I think it's just it's a weird one but it ends <laughs> it, I think we probably mentioned before but it is quite sad that the show, after having this whole hard reboot, sort of new things, new tone, new uh, new actress, 
sort of thing. Mm. The fact that it ends on the high note of the whole thing coming back and the thing that you liked before. <laughs> and yeah. that everyone yeah. everyone went, oh shit, that thing, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for you, I mean, well, yeah, what was your reaction to seeing uh, Tenet back in the role? Yeah, I think part of me did wonder how they were going to include David Tennant in the new specials. Mm. Um, so yeah. it was kind of in the back of my mind of what if she what if she regenerates into him? Mm, <laughs> it yeah. was kind of like oh, no, they won't do that. They'll regenerate into the into into the new Doctor. And then it kind yeah. of happened. It was like, oh, <laughs> they've done it. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, he's back. Done it. <laughs> um, and it was it was it was a big moment. I have to be honest. It did really make me smile. Um, Mm. Because just seeing David Tennant in that costume again as the Doctor just brings back so many genuinely joyous memories. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of excitement <laughs> within me for the, for the for the kind of the next series. But I suppose also in the aftermath of that, like in the hours after the episode, um, I do just feel even more kind of sympathy for Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall. To mm. know that kind of, I suppose it's like leaving a party, and while you're in the yeah. car driving off, just hearing the biggest cheer of the evening. <laughs> that yeah, not that necessarily, must be what not it's necessarily like it. that you you've gone, but just that something's happened at the party that made made everyone so excited, and kind of all yeah. the all the yeah. all the <laughs> kind of stories that have come out since about this kind of the BBC have struck a deal with Disney Plus for the streaming rights. And with that, mm, come an increase yeah. in the budget. Um, yeah, a, a budget increase that really could have maybe helped the Chibnall out a bit. Um, I think so. Yeah, and it it is kind of it is kind of a bit bitter that that's mm. coming. It, 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 it must be for them. It must be a bit of a kick in the teeth it, to have all this happen must be, just yeah, as it, they leave. Um, you end the show and everyone cares again. Yeah, like it, it, there's something. Even though it's not about the fact that you left, it's still, it has that, you know, that implication, doesn't it? Mm. You can't help but see that there. And I think as well, we haven't really talked about as well, the way that BBC cut sort of have treated the show recently. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to near the end of Capaldi and then the, uh, the Whitaker era, um, we get into some very, yeah, some BBC kind of like ignoring the show exists almost. Yeah. Um, and keep on changing the time I think the show was coming out. Mm. Not that it matters that much anymore with the iPlayer and all that sort of thing, but it still, it really shows that they didn't care as much. And I think... Yeah, I always... I, when I think back as well... Sorry. Yeah, but I just think, just in terms of the adverts and like just promotional things, I can't... Even I, a person who didn't wasn't watching it that much as a kid, I remember BBC had adverts every, you know, like slot they could for having the Tenant Doctor or even Eleven doing something with like a product or something about Christmas... Like, the Doctor BBC was the same thing, almost. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's very strange that they kind of just ignored that it exists for the past couple of years, I think. Yeah, I think, as a kid, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is just a false memory, um, but I always seem to remember Doctor Who being a Saturday night thing. Mm, um, yeah. And kind of as well as the New Year's change, the Christmas to New Year's change, I think they changed it to a Sunday for this. They did, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it doesn't help that kind of the BBC and the and ITV do also fall into this category of kind of the main thing that 
they produce for British television are cop dramas. Or just <laughs> yeah. dramas. There is never anything other than that. And people might think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. That is the only thing they produce. Yeah. Maybe Channel <laughs> 4 do, or Channel 5 do something different, but even they produce um, mostly dramas, crime dramas, thrillers, but mostly dramas. Yeah. And yeah. Doctor Who stands as something just completely different. The only kind of sci-fi thing that anybody in, in like the of, the of the mainstay British uh, broadcasting companies have ever done. Hmm. In the, it's just it it is just just strange that it's a thing compared to everything else they produce. Um, yeah. And I think in many ways that tendency because because you know it is true right I understand that dramas are what appeal to a larger audience and people mm-hmm. watch them and people enjoy them and that's you know they, they've got they've, they've got to keep the audiences coming back to them um yeah and i think it's just sad that they kind of they've kept doctor who going as kind of this institution of british television but they've also not they've obviously not cared about it as much as the other stuff yeah definitely um and it doesn't it doesn't help with kind of the idea that you know sci-fi fans sci-fi television is this niche thing when it really shouldn't be for me <laughs> i feel like yeah, it, it yeah. it's a shame that there isn't more sci-fi on mainstream television um mm. but yeah i feel like it suffered from that cuz ratings did tend to, to drop i think towards towards the end of moffat's run anyway they tended they did drop a bit i think yeah definitely yeah. Um, i think but you you can tell that as a, as as a company, they did seem to lose the lose the enthusiasm for marketing it. Yeah, I think they were happy to kind of put it on life support almost, mm. and just kind of let it live, but not like make it flourish yeah. in any way. Like kind of like, yeah, we'll do some trailers and we'll do some YouTube things, yeah. but you know, we're not gonna. This is not isn't our flagship anymore, mm. really. Even though it, it definitely could be, and you also need a flagship in this in this kind of sci-fi realm you'd only have anything else yeah um so yeah it's kind of a big shame and i think and i think again it's sort of that again you've left the party and everyone goes woo um <laughs> the fact that they've left this era's ended and then disney plus like swoop in and are probably going to make the show very popular in america by having it on that app mm. um kind of definitely widening like the the like kind of the scope of the show and who it kind of attracts now um so it's it's just like a weird thing that is happening. Like, it's this this is a big TV show that I could totally imagine, you know, maybe not quite right away. But if this, you know, the new season worked really really well, everyone was the cast and the the budget worked even even better for the show. I could totally imagine on Disney Plus there being Marvel, Star Wars, and Doctor Who as like actual subheading sort of things, yeah. you know, as part of that thing. Absolutely, I can totally imagine that. Um, so I think it's just like a. It's just a kick in the teeth, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> like, the show ends, and then you get just a, a massive, important deal, and a new actors, and a returning favorite writer, and a returning favorite, uh, returning favorite um, uh, actor, and then the trailer comes out quite recently, mm. and gets like a, what, like two million views? Yeah. <laughs> like it's and trending immediately. Like I, I don't think a trailer for Doctor Who has trended since like <laughs> maybe the first of Rob Whitaker's run. I don't think. Um, so mm. yeah, it's insane, and I feel I feel so so bad for this era, even though I have flaws with it, and I definitely don't like I would say 
60% of it. <laughs> it's just such a, like you said before, it's a, a tornado whirlwind sort of thing of just unfortunate, well-intentioned choices mm. um, that just haven't worked for quite a few quite a few years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a massive shame, really, yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of... I th- I, I'm the, I think it, it, it's a positive to take out that there is kind of a lot of excitement about the future of the show. Um, mm. In that, you know, the, 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 <laughs> it sounds cruel to say this, but there is a show to continue because I think when ratings dip, the risk always comes along of, of something like a cancellation, um, which would have mm. been, I, I feel like that would have been particularly cruel on Chibnall and Whitaker if that had happened because I don't think they yeah. deserved that. And I, I think, think they have. Yeah. Especially from the the darker side of the internet, they have had a lot of flack for those three seasons. Uh, I don't mm. necessarily think they've been completely unworthy of, of criticism, as we've kind of talked through. But they mm. certainly did not deserve the level that they got. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I think I think it, it it's kind of important to focus on the fact that they did achieve a lot, and there's a lot of legacy to come from these seasons. Um, mm. They've opened the door to a lot of quite interesting things to do in the future and a lot of things to kind of reach new audiences um mm. i think that's very much something to be praised but yeah it's it's been a shaky run i think definitely yeah it's yeah i think in terms of like final thoughts for me it's just it's just been yeah a, a, a waste of talent i think is mm. what i would put it as it's like the writer is good yeah the, the directors and people involved in making the show are good it's just and the actresses and the and the actors and every, everyone involved really, you know that they're good. You've seen them in other things, you know, and mm. you see them write other things. You see them produce other things, but it's just the mixture or the combination just wasn't right. And for some reason, the mm. show they yeah. stuck by the yeah. same companions and the same sort of tone. And when it wasn't doing something new and you know quite at the very least kind of interesting, it was going backwards and changing things that just should not be touched really. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's just, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, doing one thing didn't work and then doing the opposite didn't work and then doing the middle was just kind of a bit boring. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a real tough kind of error and a real... I would I, I would really hate if it to end on this note and to not have the kind of the, uh, the, the very much a positive note to end it on, which is that, you know, we have a, a returning writing favourite and a returning actor... And a new actor as well, a new life, and new blood coming in. Mm. Um, so I think it is almost depressing this kind of era as it kind of ends. Mm. <laughs> um, just kind of like this kind of deflation of oh, it's new and it's kind of a reboot again and it's a new tone. It's not working. It's really not working. Now right, we're ending. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, that sort of thing for me. I think. Um, do you have any sort of quick final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. No, I think. I think that's that's a very fair description, and I think we've covered a lot of a lot of what kind of went wrong with this era, as well as kind of where to look th- where to look to for the future. Um, and I mm. think, like we said, there's a lot of there's a lot of positives to come, and a lot of things to look forward to. Um, and I, I I hope that in time, people will look back more fondly upon this run. Um, yeah, I think it's, that will probably happen in some ways. Yeah, uh, especially you know for the, for the for the sake of the actor because there's, yeah, there's just a lot of enthusiasm behind it for. Her. Um, mm. yeah. But yeah, I'm 
I'm very much excited for what's to come in kind of the next year and what's and what where this show is going to be taken with you know with with the higher budget and the kind of the the cast that have been brought in both new and old because I think the new Doctor mm. that's coming in is also going to be really exciting and as as is kind of the companion and that dynamic that they've teased. But yeah, mm. I think I think it's as as it's one hell of a show with a massive legacy and it's still got an exciting future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Mm. I think it's you know, a sad note to kind of end this free part yeah. on. There's been three parts. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but in the future that will be I'm assuming and we're all hoping and I think it's more than likely that was, you know, bright days ahead with this franchise and this sort of character, I think. Mm. Um but yeah. So <laughs> yeah, as I say, I guess if you have enjoyed this free parter, let us know. Um, chunky three parter. I guess I know. If you'd like us to do any more sort of big free parters, let us know. That might be our little niche, mm-hmm. just like massive episodes. Um, um so yeah, thank you for listening. Um and also just remind you again we have the Instagram account at Marlowe Podcast. Uh, upload this podcast on Wednesdays and then uh, doing reviews and little rankings of certain things like TV shows and movies mm-hmm. um, obviously if you have any opinions maybe some hot takes maybe on the on the Chibnall era let us know get in t- contact with us on Instagram or anywhere you can um, and we'll get back to you and mm-hmm. you know debate the topic I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah so I guess that's it for us today uh, goodbye yeah. see you later